Would you put your hands together for our incredible production and worship teams? Come on, give them a great hand. Now, be honest, by show of hands in the room, how many of you guys, your Christmases at some point look like that video? Come on, be honest. You, you, the tree fell, the lights fell, something caught on fire, the food didn't go as planned. It's something like this always happens every single holiday season. It's kind of like, ah, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it through this season? Can I tell you, it's one of the things that I've kind of come to enjoy a little bit. When I was younger, I kind of despised all the craziness, like all the family gatherings. Our family tradition for most of my young life was to gather at my grandmother's house, and we had a number of traditional things. We were, you know, before we got to the gifts, we were going to read the story and the history of Jesus, which we're going to do in just a moment, and we would sing carols. Can I tell you, when we would sing carols at my grandmother's house, we did not sound like the team up here, everybody. One of my cousins would always bring his violin, which he could barely play on key, everyone. It's one of the miserable moments of Christmas for me as I look back, but we always had these funny things that as I get older now, I look at the moments and say, well, that was the moment. That was the moment where it kind of, it, it became real to me, this season that we're in of celebrating and honoring and having fun and doing it all together, because if it all went perfectly, we wouldn't be human, right? And there's something about this season that kind of draws lots of expectation in our hearts and quite often creates lots of pressure. And today, I just want to honor you for coming to church to honor Jesus today. Can you give yourselves a big hand of applause? Come on, I'm a, I want to honor you for taking the time out. I think in all the hustle and the bustle of this season, there's lots of pressure for gifts. And, you know, my kids, they, they, they have an Amazon wish list. I don't know about your kids. And there's this pressure of all these things. Your kids don't do that, okay? Would you help mine, all right? <laughs> like, like, there's this pressure that builds. And what we need more than anything in this season is the ability just to hit pause and to come into an environment like this and to remind ourselves of what really is most important, and that is Jesus. We have slogans for it. We say it all the time. We come on and say, Jesus is the reason for the... Come on, we all know it, and, and we all know it's important, but without stopping every once in a while, without stopping the running back and forth and going to and to, to fro, we get so caught up that we miss that God sent his son, Jesus, on our behalf. And today, this is probably one of the easiest times in a year for me to preach a message because it is the message of the Bible. It is the message of Christianity that God sent his son, Jesus, on our behalf. And what a beautiful way to send him. Part of our family tradition is to go to the history, the actual telling of the story. And today, what we're going to do is begin our service with reading the story, the history of Jesus. And we're gonna begin in Luke chapter two. It'll be on screen if you wanna read along. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. I ought to get an amen for Quirinius right there, everybody, all right? And everyone, everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, that's where we know it kind of is a little shady. Joseph is trying to figure out what to do and how to work through the, the pressure of marrying someone when, when God has given her a child. Here's where he is finding a place to live. 
And it says there was no room available for them. That while they were there, they came to be, the baby came to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord actually appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, come on, they were terrified, as every one of us would be. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and to you, and to me. A Savior has been born born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find that baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels. So it went from one angel to an entire heavenly host. They were praising God and saying, would you say it with me? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go find out what's going on. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They saw something, and in that moment of seeing it, it changed the entire trajectory of their lives. They went from sitting in a field and wondering where to go to having one moment with God where they saw the angel shining with the glory of God. And when they saw that glory, it compelled them to do something differently. What's amazing is at the same time that the shepherds are in one field having this angelic moment, really crazy moment, right? Pretty wild. I think if it happened to you or to me, we would be telling all of our cousins right now, you need to go to that field right now, see if it'll happen to you, okay? And then they're going to ask what you smoked or did, but you didn't, right? You didn't, right? At the same time that was happening in one field, there were some wise men who began to see their own light. And in Matthew chapter 2, following the same historical reference, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They, they saw something that changed their lives. And when they, they heard the king, when they, they heard about that he was going to be there, they wanted to find him and worship him. And so they went to where Herod was and they asked Herod about the king of the Jews. But Herod was an evil king and so he was plotting to find out where Jesus would be born so that he could kill him. But the wise men were wise. Aren't y'all glad, everybody? And they didn't tell Herod where he was at. And we pick up the story in verse 9. It says, and when they heard the king, they just departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them again. Till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, 
They presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I love the history of Jesus coming to earth because it helps us to understand what even in his birth he wants for every single one of us. Just like the shepherds and the wise men, they had a moment where they saw the light. They saw the angel shining and they saw the star shining and because they saw something that was different that stood out in the midst of a dark world, because they saw the light, they began to pursue that light and it changed their entire lives. It's one of my favorite things to do in this season as well and that is to find the lights. Anybody here have a family tradition of going and searching for Christmas lights? Anybody here? Come on. We do this every year. I got to do it twice this week because at different times I had my, my two children. At different times we were hanging out together. And I was with my son first and he was like, Dad, we've got to go see the lights. And they have been telling me about one of our neighbors on our street that when I say he has lights, everyone, he has lights. It's not one light, it's not one tree, it's not some icicle-looking deal, no, 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 no. He has his own radio station. And when you pull up, it says, we have broadcast times. And you go to the radio station, and the lights move with the songs, everyone. Can you imagine Carol of the Bells with lights? <laughs> it's dramatic, everyone, let me say the least, all right, it's pretty dramatic. And so I saw this, I thought, it's amazing. And, you know, we, we, we saw something, and it was so impactful that we, we just sat there and listened and listened, and, and then we drove away until the, the music faded. And we said, well, let's drive a bit more and see if we can find some more lights. And, and so we went around another, and we come back to my street from a different side, and we came down that street, and I didn't realize that on my street we have two neighbors. It's like they're dueling Christmas light people. And they have their radio station. This one's 93.1, this one's 93.9. They don't play the same songs at the same time or do the same thing. And this one's just going to town over here. And afterwards, we just, we just smiled. And I thought, if that is just the simple goal, to see something dramatic and exciting and it to warm your heart, if lights hanging from a home can do that, how much more? The star in heaven leading us to find Jesus. Amen, everybody? How much more the star shining in the east saying, follow me. I've got more for you than you ever expected. Which you may realize, and I think most of us do, and that is that we live in a pretty dark world. If there weren't lights, if there was not the sun and the moon and the stars to light our way, we would live in a very dark world. It's actually Actually, what Scripture tells us is that darkness covers the earth. It just does. Without light, darkness covers everything. Isaiah the prophet says it in verse 2. He says, for behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness all the peoples. He's like, I hate to be Captain Obvious here, give you a deep revelation, but it gets dark, everybody. It's not only dark in reality, but our world seems to be getting darker, doesn't it? It's hard to turn on the news. It's hard to have meaningful conversation with people because you wonder if you're going to pass their litmus test on whether you're good enough to be their friend, whether you love them enough or not. And so what's happening is we're retreating into more darkness rather than stepping into the light that God has called us to lead. We're retreating back into the darkness because not only does darkness cover our world, but it also, darkness also confuses people. 
The more time you spend in darkness, the more disoriented you'll become. We were built for light, everybody. You and I were built to see where we're supposed to go. Spent some time a few years back in Montana on a big fishing trip. And on the few nights that I was there, one night there was really cloudy and the weather was kind of overcast. And, and without the stars in the sky, it is dark everywhere. But what was amazing is the next night, all the weather blew out and the stars in heaven and the moon shone brightly. And I remember just the, the stark contrast between a skyline with no light. And one, that the stars of heaven were lighting the way. It made me think of how confusing and disorienting darkness can be. The psalmist describes the darkness in our world like this. He says they, they just don't know. They, nor do they even understand. They just they walk about in darkness. And because of that, the foundations of the earth are unstable. The longer you live your life in darkness, the wilder and crazier it gets. But I wish it would stop there personally. I wish, I wish that the darkness that's in our world would stop there. But here's what's happened to many people's lives, and that is that darkness has now claimed many of our futures. We begin to only see darkness now. We, we walk into a room that's supposed to be filled with light, but we're expecting darkness. We're, we're going in hoping for joy and finding sadness, and it's begun to be what we were expecting rather than expecting life and joy and peace and excitement, all the blessings of God. You go in saying, what's going to go wrong? And who's going to be the one to do it? And that builds in our lives. But can I tell you, you don't have to have a life like Job. Job, here's what Job describes his life like. He says, my days are over. <laughs> you ever met a Debbie Downer like that? Come on, somebody, right? It's like, no matter what's going on, he says, my days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are even broken. These men say that night is day and they claim that darkness is light. I want you to see what happened to him is that there was so much darkness around him that his hope began to dissipate. Today what I want to give you in a very simple message is that there's a lot of darkness in the world, but Jesus is still the light. Amen, everybody? He's still the light of the world. If you're going to clap for him, you might as well go all out, everybody. And somewhere in the in-between the in of our personal darkness, our personal failures, our family issues and struggles and the tensions that come with this season, many of us have just fallen into an expectation of more frustration rather than an expectation that God will be God and he'll do only things that God can do. Maybe this is the season for us to really find the light. The Apostle John, he was called the, the closest of the apostles. He spent the most time with Jesus. He was in his, his inner crew. In John 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, speaking of Jesus. And through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Would you read the next line with me? With me? Come on, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. See, Jesus wasn't a light. He's the light. He's not a star. He's the star. And today, if you're on the fence on whether you should follow him or look to him, can I tell you there is no greater light than Jesus. 
Listen, our world, our calendar is based off of Jesus. Our timeline is based off who he is. He has affected everything. If you would just step back and look at the star that's shining on you even now, you would see the light of God. And you would recognize that he is here for you, has not forgotten about you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. Someone recently told me, Pastor, I just think God's done with me. And they were in church when they said that to me. And I said, well, if God was done with you, you would not be here. Because I'm in the business with God. How many of y'all know if God was really angry, he could make you a grease spot if he wanted to? The fact that he hasn't tells you something about him. When you look at all of our failings, when you look at all of our sin, when you look at all of our mistakes, he's not done with us because he's the light of the world. And he wants that light to shine through you and me. See, the light has come. John goes on to say that in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't want to go old school preacher on you, but I'm feeling like I might have to. Okay, everybody, I just need you, I need you to hear this. There, there's this mindset that we can't win. It's a lie. You have already won. When God sends Jesus, we've already won the battle. The issue is will you persevere and bring your light to this dark world? Will you stand up in the midst of what's happening in your family and say, no, 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 there's a better way than what we've experienced. We can do it a different way. And I'm not telling you you have to get angry. I'm not telling you you have to be weird. For heaven's sakes, we need less weird Christians. Amen, everybody? What I am telling you is that if you're facing what feels like an insurmountable challenge, the light of the world lives in you. And he has overcome darkness already. And if you will allow him to work in you, you will begin to overcome the darkness around you. John goes on to say this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. John said he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. What is John saying? Not only has the light arrived, not only will the light overcome darkness, but John says, listen, the light will change everything in your life. Change everything. And sometimes all we need is someone to remind us that all you have to do it's put your hope and your faith in Jesus afresh. And the lights come on. And you begin to see things you never saw before. You begin to have hope that you never had before. You begin to believe again that what you had in the past is not the end. God has something better for you. It's the easiest message to preach. And yet with so much darkness, we need more of us who are carrying the light. As we prepare to close just this few moments in the word of God and we prepare to light candles and sing silent night together, I want to give you three practical things to do because I think for many of us, and many of us, we hear a message and we're like, yes, that's it. I want that. 
And I want to show you how practical it is to really just take this step of faith. If you're going to take some notes with me, I always like to make it practical for you to take away, but this is probably one that you don't even need to write down. The first thing you have to do, everyone, is you have to see the light. You just got to see the light. Some of say, well, where, where is he? Well, he's everywhere. If you open your heart, he'll show himself to you today. The Bible says that he is available. He is readily available to meet every single one of us. It's kind of like going to see the doctor. You ever said that before? Hey, I'm just going to see the doctor. No, no, no. I just want you to, to see the light, to decide that you're going to see Jesus. Ephesians 1 and verse 18, the apostle Paul, he said, this is my prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Paul said, my simple prayer is not that these eyes would see, but your heart would see that Jesus is the light of the world. I want you to see the light, everyone. Make an appointment this week, maybe tomorrow morning early before all the craziness, before the kids gotta get out of bed. That's early at my house, everyone. Get, get up early and maybe just have a moment where you say, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you help me to see the hope of the world? Would you help me to see beyond the darkness in the news? Would you help me to see the darkness in my family beyond those situations? God, would you show me your light? And after you see the light, here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to follow the light. Come on, it's what the shepherds did. Come on, it's what the wise men did. If you want to be like the wise men, all you have to do is see the light and follow the light. And so if Jesus said it, you say it. If Jesus did it, you do it. If Jesus didn't do it, don't do it, everybody, right? If Jesus didn't say it, don't say it. If you will just temper your words and your actions to follow Jesus, it'll change everything in your life. The people around you will say, what happened to you? And you'll say, well, you know what? I saw the light. But I didn't stop there. This is where so many people, especially in America, we're so Christianized. We have such a Christian culture. Everyone's, quote, seen the light, but few follow the light. And Jesus said, if you're not going to follow me, you're not going to get where I want you to be. You're going to have to follow him. So Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. It's going to take an honest heart to find God. If you'll see the light, follow the light. It just happens all by itself. Number three, you become a light. You become a light. And I'm hoping that some of y'all are like my neighbor that's got 93.1 going. Three of you thought that was funny. Thank you. Maybe y'all will be like me. One snow globe in the yard. Merry Christmas. And the fan motor went out mid-December, and it was gone. My kids said, Dad, you had Christmas spirit, but you lost it. Long before Jesus came and physically walked the earth, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that the wise men and the shepherds should look for the light. In Isaiah 60, verse 1, here's what he said. He says, arise, shine, one hope, church, for your light has come. Listen to this. And the glory of the Lord has risen where? Upon you. 
Hey, behold, the darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord, would somebody say those three words with me? Come on. But the Lord, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah said, listen, listen, if you'll see the light, follow the light, you'll become a light and the world will come asking, what happened to you? What happened to you? And it'll be your moment to say, you know what? The story of Christmas became real and it went from a story and it became history to me. It became real and alive. And because of that, I have now been changed. And today, what I would like to invite you to do is make a simple decision. Say, God, I want to see the light. And when you show yourself to me, I'll follow you. And I'll become like you. Would you bow with me in prayer as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you that you have called them here to be encouraged to lead, to impact to change the world God as we focus on you I pray your presence would be here just for a moment if you would sit quietly with every head bowed and every eye closed you're here today and you're far from God and it's been a long time since you've seen the light I don't invite you to pray a prayer of faith the Bible tells us that you're one prayer of faith away from God coming and saving you. If you're here today and you're further from him than you want to be, would you whisper this prayer? Say these words with me. Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name. Just a moment longer, stay focused on prayer. God, I bless every person here. God, I pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. And God, that more than ever in this season, in this world that we live in, God, that we would surpass the darkness and we would see your star shining brightly in our lives. God, that we would be drawn into a deep and meaningful relationship with you. And God, as we close out this year, it would be the end of the old. God, that we would begin something new with you that changes the trajectory of our lives. God, I bless them today and I thank you for it. God, I pray that everything their hands touch in this season would be favored by you. And God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name, we all shouted amen together. Amen and amen. Would you clap for those?